Greetings, Luciano. Good morning, uh, Pastor David. Welcome to our program, The Gospel Hour. You are now on the air. If you are ready, uh, let me introduce you to our listeners. Okay. Okay, mga kaisunan, sa ikaduhang higayon, no? for the second time, we will be hearing the great message uh, live, direct from PSA, Pastor David Herrell. Go ahead, sir. Well, greetings to each one of you this morning. I'm honored to be able to minister the Word of God to you, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart through the wonderful truths of the Word of God. This morning, I want to speak to you about the issue of hope, and our text is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Sadly, most people live their lives without any hope. They have no real meaning in life, no assurance of life after death, no real joy. For many people, life is merely a prison of despair and anxiety about the future. Many people try to ease the pain of hopelessness by turning to drugs or alcohol, pornography, materialism, entertainment, and things like these. And Satan also offers many false religions and superstitions to give desperate people a false sense of hope. Sadly, most people in the world worship gods that do not even exist, always trying to earn their way to paradise and silence their accusing conscience that tells them they have not been reconciled to a holy God, the one who created them. Indeed, this is the tragic experience of those who have never placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our only hope of salvation. But praise God, there is hope for all who will place their faith in Christ. The Apostle Peter was so excited about the peace of sins forgiven and the hope of eternal life that he exploded in a doxology of praise in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Even though he knew that he would eventually be crucified for his faith, he served the Lord for 40 years with great joy and undiminished hope. And one might ask, how could he possibly do this? And the answer is found in his words here in 1 Peter 1. Here Peter is writing to believers experiencing mounting persecution in the first century. Many of these people had lost their homes and jobs and even family members because of their faith in Christ. Many of them were running for their life. They were spiritual aliens scattered all over the ancient world of Asia Minor. And in his opening salutation in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, the Holy Spirit inspires Peter to remind them that they were chosen, sanctified, sealed, and blessed. And then in verses 3 through 5, he breaks forth in a doxology of praise, expressing the source, power, promise, and confidence of their hope. This morning I want to draw your attention to these four elements of Christian hope, and I pray that they will fan the flames of your spiritual praise and enrich your understanding of the unspeakable benefits of your salvation. First of all, we see the source of our hope in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. 
Here we are reminded of the source of our hope and the one that we should bless. It is the God, the one and only God, further identified as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we must understand that as Creator, God is Father to all men. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6, we read, There is one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But we also must understand that He is only the spiritual Father to believers. We are not all God's children. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, verses 14 and 15, that only those who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Only believers have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. For this reason we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, as verse 17 tells us. What wonderful news this is, to know that God will forgive the sins of all those who come to Him through faith in Jesus Christ, and at the moment of the new birth, He adopts them as His spiritual children. In fact, we're told in John 1.12, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Dear Christian, our Heavenly Father is the source of our hope, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus taught that no one can ever know God the Father apart from knowing the Son. In fact, in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, what is even more humbling is that, according to Jesus' words in John 6:44, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And the word draw in the original language means to compel or to take possession of something to drag something. It's the idea of resistance. Here we understand that man's will is enslaved to his sinful nature. The Word of God says that he is dead in his trespasses and sins, and therefore he has no desire to exercise his will apart from divine enablement. So the Father must drag a sinner to himself. So the Father draws or compels sinners to come to Him in repentant faith. Like dead men buried in a swamp of sin, without any ability to help ourselves, the Father dragged us out of the filth and mire of sin and breathed into us spiritual life and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And why did the Father draw us to Himself? Well, back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it was according to His great mercy that He has caused us to be born again. Oh, what a merciful God we serve, that He would lavish His love upon sinners and draw them to Himself by His sovereign grace. Herein is the glorious source of our hope, that our Heavenly Father had mercy upon us and dragged us out of the pit, then lavished upon us His undeserved love and every imaginable spiritual blessing. So Peter reminds us first of the source of our hope, but then secondly, the power of our hope. In verse 3, he says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Herein is the power. He caused us to be born again. 
This is the miracle of the new birth. That transformation that occurs at regeneration, when we are born of the Spirit, as we're told in John 3.8. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul explains this rebirth of the human soul. There he says that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Here, the idea of regeneration in the original language is palingenesia. Genesis means born and palin is again. So, this regeneration literally means to be born again. And you must understand that regeneration is that instantaneous, supernatural impartation of spiritual life to the spiritually dead. And as a result, the governing disposition of man is eternally transformed The old things pass away, and the new things come. In fact, James describes this in chapter 1 and verse 18. He says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth. There the verb can be rendered, gives birth. He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. What an amazing yet unseen miracle. In fact, later in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, Peter says, In Christ we become partakers of the divine nature. And it is this spirit-empowered new nature that energizes us and eternally sustains the hope that is within us. So we will be able to persevere in our faith, come what may. You see, it is the Holy Spirit that sparks this eternal flame of regeneration within us. Peter describes this later, again in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. He says, You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding Word of God. You see, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to produce this miraculous new birth. And the spiritual life that He plants within us is unfailing and permanent. Our divine nature is like an eternal fuel cell, empowering us to live for His glory and never lose hope in His promises, no matter how bad life really gets. You remember the trials of Job? And you will recall that in Job 19, verse 25, Job would say, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will take His stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed... Yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. My heart faints within me. Oh, dear friends, what comfort Peter's doxology of hope must have been to those first century spiritual aliens scattered abroad. Notice also how Peter describes our hope as a living hope. It's not a dying hope. It's a hope that stirs us to action. It's a purifying hope, one that excites us. It's a type of hope that will cause us to rejoice even in the midst of great adversity, all because He caused us to be born again to a living hope. Oh, child of God, what power we possess in our new nature. In fact, do you realize it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? In verse 3, again, he says he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, that's power beyond my imagination. 
Here I am reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 and verse 10, where he longed for a more intimate knowledge of the power and person of Christ, and there he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Beloved, if Christ had not risen from the dead, we would have no hope. But our hope is living because our Savior is living. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 17, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. But since we are united to Christ in faith, what happened to him will happen to us. You see, death has no dominion over us. Why? Because Christ was raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22, the Apostle Paul tells us, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Dear friends, this is a living hope that we have. So, Peter encouraged those suffering saints by reminding them of the source and the power of their hope, but thirdly, he also reminded them of the promise of their hope. You see, we do not have a hope in something that is trivial or mundane. We have a hope, in verse 4, to obtain an inheritance. This denotes property or possession. Now, we learn more about our inheritance from other passages of Scripture. For example, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, we're told to give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Here Paul reaches back into the Old Testament by alluding to the specific land allotments given to the Israelites when they entered into Canaan to possess it, as we read in Numbers chapter 26 and 33. Inheritance literally means a portion of the lot in the original language. Literally, the verse could be read this way, that the Father has qualified, or in other words, authorized us, according to His grace, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, light being a synonym for the kingdom of God, for heaven. And we must understand that in this glorious kingdom, each believer will be given a specific portion of the total divine inheritance, specific possessions and privileges and spiritual blessings beyond our ability to comprehend. So, back to First Peter, practically speaking, Peter is trying to encourage these persecuted saints to fix their eyes on the eternal, not on the temporal. Even as Paul admonished the Colossian believers in a similar manner, he said, If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Colossians 3, 1 through 2. Often I deal with believers who are depressed. Many times they are pessimistic and they whine about some great difficulty in their life. And many times when I ask them, about the things that occupy their mind, they tend to give me a long answer of negative things that they dwell on, that they think about all the time. But what would God have us focus upon? The answer is our inheritance. You see, this was Peter's passion. Again, he was ready to be crucified. The Lord had told him that this was how his life would end. Now, I want you to notice also the three characteristics of our inheritance that Peter describes in verse 4. 
He says that it is imperishable, meaning it's not subject to corruption or destruction. There's no vulnerability to decay or death. No one can steal it. No one can destroy it. Not only is it imperishable, but it is undefiled, meaning it is unstained, unpolluted. It is uncontaminated by sin. And, he says, it will not fade away, which means it will never diminish in its beauty. Oh, dear Christian, what inconceivable splendor awaits us, all because of the Father's mercy. Ah, says the skeptic, but what must I do to ensure that I will someday claim my inheritance? What if in my sin I forfeit it? What if in my pride I exchange it? Or what if in my stupidity I renounce it? Oh, dear friend, please understand. You can do no more to lose your salvation than you did to gain it. It is all of grace. And herein is the final point of Peter's message to us regarding hope. Number four, we see the certainty of our hope. At the end of verse 4, we read that it is reserved in heaven for you. Reserved is a military term in the original language, and it gives us the idea of a garrison of soldiers that vigilantly guard and defend some precious possession. And the Greek grammar would indicate that this is something that already exists and is being carefully guarded. Indeed, our glorious inheritance is guarded by Almighty God and His angelic hosts. And Peter goes on to add in verse 5 that we are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, He is the one, according to Jude 24, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory blameless with great joy. For this reason, the Apostle Paul could say in Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, true believers have been given eternal life as a present possession, and it is kept secure by the power of God through faith. What a profound encouragement to those suffering saints. Our inheritance is secure because our salvation is secure. We are united to Christ. We are His possession. It is, according to the end of verse 5, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is a reference to the final end of redemptive history, when in the glory of heaven we will experience the fullness of our inheritance, where our greatest joy will be God Himself. Because we are told that in thy presence is fullness of joy evermore. I pray, dear friends, that these eternal truths will encourage all of you who may be experiencing the inevitable sorrows of living in a fallen world. And may I encourage you to think on these things and rejoice in your salvation. And if you are within the sound of my voice, and perhaps you have never confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord, May I invite you to do so today, before it is too late. Will you pray together with me? Heavenly Father, we rejoice in your mercy and your grace. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to every heart. I pray that you will encourage the saints and draw sinners to yourself, according to your great mercy. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. What a great message. Uh, God is the source of our hope, and only Jesus Christ is his hope. Thank you so much, Sir David. You're welcome, my friend, and God bless you. God bless you, sir. Okay, so now, has told us that God is the only source of our hope. Only in Jesus Christ. If you feel that God has been touched your heart and you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, why not do it today? Why not allow Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be saved today? Uh, God has promised that He will give you to The only thing you do is confess of your sin, accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and God will give you to So much of it, so long, everything and all things are useless without God. Kung paglaong sa Kristo, wala na ilain. So, salamat sa itong mensahe. I'm so grateful for the message that has been given to us that uh, reminding us that God is the source of our hope. He is the power of our hope. So, muna, mga iksunan, huwag inaupunta ang mensahe na inyong natungkan nangita at gublo na dahil sa nangasing kapin. Salamat sa inyong pagpaminaw. Until next time, this is your hope. Pastor Barakir saying goodbye. God bless. To God be the glory.